Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Lasting. Amen. Amen. Give a clap offering. Give a fist bump to Jesus. Go ahead and open your Bible to Luke chapter 9. I, um, I, I am, uh, I want to reiterate one of the announcements, prayer tonight. Uh, we, we, got a, we got a special guest going to come lead us in worship tonight, and I believe the presence of God is going to be beautiful here. We're going we're gonna to soak in the presence a little bit. We're going to worship. We're going to prophesy. This is what we're going to do. And uh, yeah, no, that, yeah, that's good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, <clears throat> hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, you know, I, 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 uh, I am convinced, absolutely convinced that this word of God is living. I am convinced that this word of God has stuff to teach us. I, I am convinced that the more we dig into this thing, the better our life gets. I believe the more that we search the scriptures, the more we find Jesus. That is why we search it. And I believe that the more often you read this Bible, the less crazy your life will be. I believe, I believe that each and every one of us needs to be reading our Bible every day. I don't say that to judge you. I do hope you get convicted. Open the Bible. Read the book of Luke along with us, if nothing else. Open the Bible. Start reading the Psalms every single day. Start at Psalm 1. Read until God speaks then close your Bible and pray, right? Every single day, get in the Word of God. So many people are, um, uh, are, are falling. The Lord told us time and again that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I'm seeing people who I didn't think would be shaken, completely shaken right out of their faith because it's not based in anything other than what they think. And we need to get out of what we think and figure out what God thinks. And get our lives planted on what God thinks. And then when everything that can be shaken is shaken, we won't be shaken because God is not shaken. Amen? That, that, that's the whole thing. We want to be standing where God is. And so I am convinced in this season nothing more than I'm going to teach you the Word of God. We're going to get firmly planted in who Christ Jesus is and what His plan is for our lives and what it is He wants us to be doing in this season. Amen? And, you know, there's different flavors of the church. There's different uh, emphases on the church. There's different streams of the church. There's different rivers in the church, and that's okay. Uh, there's different aspects of God that people focus on. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen in the news, you know, I have been on uh, many missionary trips myself, and there's a lot of questions about colonialization these days and how much missionary work is really colonialization and this, that, and the other. But missionary work in, an, in, in, in part is colonialization in that we bring the kingdom of heaven to areas that do not represent the kingdom. So we are supposed to bring colonies of heaven to different parts of the world uh, that it could reflect Jesus Christ, right? Unfortunately, some missionaries kind of get that a little confused. They bring kind of the, the, you know, the, the, their personal flavor. Um, but there's amazing missionaries doing stuff all over the world. Have you heard uh, what's going on in Haiti right now with our missionaries? Have, have, have you followed that? I hope you've been praying for them. Uh, but for those who don't know, there's many missionaries in Haiti. There have been for many years. And um, uh, contrary to what you may have been told, Haiti is not actually a voodoo country. Uh, there, there is voodoo in Haiti, uh, just like there is in America. Uh, there's many, many, many Christians in Haiti. Uh, but there's also many uh, missionaries. There's still a great work to be done. And uh, there's 12 American uh, missionaries that are kidnapped, that have been kidnapped for ransom, because that's really increased in Haiti recently. And uh, there's 12 missionaries that have been held for ransom. I don't remember how many millions of dollars they're asking for them uh, right now. But um, they're from uh, a group called Christian Aid uh, Missions, I believe. And they go into kind of uh, oppressed areas, impoverished areas. They started with Romania when it was under the, under the uh, communist rule of the Soviet Union. And uh, that's where it started and it grew from there. And and these people are mostly, they're Amish, and uh, they're Mennonites, and, and they're Anabaptists. Now, I, I say this on purpose because um, the Anabaptist tradition is one that is, is, they have this radical, radical thought process that, that God is in control, right? And that God is in charge. 
and that um, our lives are actually supposed to be submitted to God and that we're supposed to live the words of Jesus. It's, it's radical. I know it doesn't work in our society at all, uh, but they actually believe. Now, they have different manifestations that, you know, I don't agree with everything they do, but they didn't ask me, right? Like, they're not asking me. But they're over there in um, uh, um, uh, kidnapped, and they've been kidnapped for a while now, and the church all over the world is praying for them. Um, but what's, what's unique about this group, I mean, how many of you have, have, have read and followed this? Well, look into it. So they have been able to send messages back home and to their family um, about how they're being treated and about their situation. And uh, what the news even has picked up on is uh, what their correspondence looks like. And uh, they keep sending letters back. And it's not just, oh, my God, help us, help us, help us. Oh, my God, these are so terrible. They see God in their imprisonment because they believe that they've given their lives to God and therefore wherever they are, that's where they're supposed to be, right? And so, and so there's, there's like three things I'd like to really quickly bring up about these missionaries. Number one, in their letters, they have this commitment to forgive. They keep talking about how they don't have bitterness towards their captors, uh, in their families, as their families address the media, they talk about uh, how they completely forgive and they have no ill in their heart towards the people who have kidnapped them. Uh, the, the second thing, which is really kind of crazy, is they, um, they, 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 they practice this non-resistance in the face of adversity. Uh, they don't want revenge against the people who did things to them. Um, they really believe that um, you're supposed to feed your enemy you know, if somebody, if your enemy is hungry, you feed them. Um, and if, if your enemy is thirsty, you give them something to drink that we don't resort to getting back at people. We don't resort to, um, we don't justify our sin based on what was done to us, right? So they have this. And, and the last thing, um, they repeatedly ask for people to pray for the kidnappers, that they would become Christians, that they would, that they would be converted. And here's um, one of the, one of the, the father of one of the, um, of one of the people put this, I believe I have it on a, on a slide. Um, he says, the kidnappers, I, I know I do actually. Yeah, he says, the kidnappers, like all people, are created in the image of God and can be changed if they turn to him. While we desire the safe release of our workers, we also desire that the kidnappers be transformed by the love of God in Jesus, the only true source of peace, joy, and forgiveness. Now, that sounds like Christ to me. That, that sounds like the church to me. That, 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 sounds like, that, that sounds like what God wants for us. And, and today, I kind of want to expound upon what we talked about last week. And uh, the title of my message, if you put up there, Anastasia, I, I skipped it earlier here. But the, the title of my message today is, there's a transfiguration waiting for you. There is a transfiguration waiting for you. And I believe we all need a transfiguration where this flesh is somehow transformed by the glory of God into something that it could never be. And that, that is only done by the grace of God, the presence of God, the love of God. And last week we talked about the call. We, we talked about how, 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 how Jesus called the disciples. He empowered them. And then he talked about how they would have to carry their own cross. And then he talked. To, he brought them and let them see the transfiguration. And we get it confused this time. And, and sometimes we forget the call. The call on our lives um, in each of us. We believe God has called us to better things. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't be here. And if you don't believe that God has called you to greater things, I want you to believe that. God has called you to something greater. But, but, but sometimes we think the call... Uh, greater looks like what Wall Street calls greater or, or, or what TikTok calls greater. And unfortunately, we get things twisted in this world and, and the enemy comes in and begins to pervert our value system, even in the church. And the danger is if, if the devil can teach us and make us think that sin is good, then somehow he'll also teach us that God is bad. What you'll find out with people who start thinking God is dangerous, you always talk to them long enough and you'll find out that there is a sin they don't agree with. 
They always have some fundamental theological issue with the boundaries that God has set for our lives and they don't agree with those boundaries. And because they have decided that sin is good, they've also come to the conclusion that God and his church is bad. The devil, is a, he's a slick one. He's a slippery one. He, he knows how to get at you. He knows how to exploit your weaknesses. He knows how to exploit your tender areas. But the Word of God trains us for battle against the devil. Can you say amen? The Word of God educates us how to come against the wiles of the devil to stand on God's Word and be empowered by the Spirit to get our ladder out, get down into that pit and help somebody else up out of their sin. Can you say amen? This is what we're being trained to do through the Word of God. But the destination for your life, I want to make it very, very, very clear. The destination for your life, the point of your life, why you are here is to encounter God on the mountain. This is where this is all going. We are going to encounter God on the mountain. It's not just your ministry here on earth. It's not just that you'll be able to heal the sick and cast out devils, and I hope you do that. And it's not just that you could give a prophecy and encourage somebody with what God really thinks, and I hope you can do that. And it's not just that you can speak in tongues and let your spirit be edified with a language you don't understand, with the language of angels, and I hope you do that. But after this empowerment of earthly ministry, there is a cross that you have to bear, but the cross will produce your ability to get on that mountaintop. And this is what we're going for. This is what I want to talk about today. We need to answer the call to be with Jesus. We need to answer the call to get on the mountaintop. We need to answer the call. We get confused about why we're here and we need to get it straight. This is the destination. This is why we follow him. It is, we, we follow Jesus in, in 2021 and soon to be 2022. And I believe the Lord has already spoken to me in part about 2022 in one of my life groups. And this is going to sound really silly, just like I had a silly word two years ago. But I believe for many of you, this is the word of the Lord. And I want you to receive it as silly as it sounds. Fresh and new in 2022. Come on, fresh and new in 2022. Who needs fresh and new? Who needs fresh and new? Fresh and new in 2022. I said it, and I was like, that just sounds stupid. And I said it in my small group, and people are like, oh, I like that. I could receive some of that right now. I can receive that in my life right now. 2000, come on, fresh and new in 2022. I'm ready for fresh and new. I'm, I'm tired of old, bitter, and stale. Tired of old, bitter, and stale. I'm ready for fresh and new. Fresh and new in 2022. Come on, somebody. I'm ready for it. But Jeremiah, Jeremiah prophesied years ago what the call of God is on your life. Jeremiah 32. This is what God wanted for you. She's going to get it. Got it? Jeremiah 32, verse 38. Come on, Kayla, you got this. Kayla's like, I don't got this. Brandon, you got this. My overhead girl went, you know, it's my daughter, so I can call her my girl, right? Watch this. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. Jeremiah 32, starting in verse 38. They shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. This is God's desire for you. He has always wanted to be our God and us to be his people, that we would be one, that we would be under him, that we would be connected to him. This is what Jeremiah prophesied about Jesus doing through us, the church. This is the day to live in, the day that the church of Jesus Christ shines like the, like the, like the, like the bright morning sun, showing the world that there is a different way to live. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I, I, uh, I know I irritate some of my Christian brothers and sisters. I, I irritate some of my non-Christian brothers and sisters, and I'm okay with that. I'm, uh, I, I'm against exploitation. I'm against it. Uh, I'm I, 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 um, going to be honest with you. Uh, I, I'm against it. I, I do not think that we need to milk every single penny that we can out of our workers. I don't believe it. I believe it's unjust and I don't believe the Lord is happy about it. I was reading through some history books this week and I was looking. It wasn't but a hundred years ago that eight-year-olds were working in factories and in mines in America. Textile mills that kids would get, you know, 
wouldn't go to school, wouldn't get education, would get sent off because that's the only way the families would keep from starving to death. And it took our government to pass laws saying, you know what, as a society, we can do better, right? The American government is not my hope. I, if, if you hope that America passing any laws is going to make anybody righteous, it ain't going to work. It didn't work since the history of humankind. God had his own country, Israel, and it didn't work. And that was the point of the law, right? We need people to have their hearts transformed and start being righteous. And I'm, and I'm going to prophesy this right now. I'm going to prophesy it right now. Listen, some of you who feel called to business, just make a covenant with God that you're going to be righteous. Make a covenant with God. If I make you might, my, if my company does really, really well, I'm going to have really, really well-paid employees, Lord. If you bless my hand, I'm going to make sure I don't turn into a greedy person, and I'm going to bless your people underneath me. Make a covenant with God and watch what he does. Because this business realm is going to say, oh, you know, they make a dime, you make a dollar. You make a covenant with God. I'm going to bless some people with my business. I'm not going to charge more than I need to. I'm not going to exploit my workers. Watch what God does through your life. All right, I'll put that out there. I just want you to know who I am. I don't, I don't want it to be confused. I came out against racism, and I had all kind of people get offended with me. I'm against racism too, just so you know. Just like, you know why? Because I follow Jesus. Yeah. Amen. And if you're not against racism, follow Jesus. Am I getting too worked up here? Is that all right? I'm, I, I just need to be real. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of it. Fresh and new in 2022. Okay, I'm not going to go down this road. Listen, we, we, we study God. We study God and um, we study the Word so we can know God. But as we study God, we have to, you, have to, you, you, you have to start. There's a foundation that we need to start with. There's a foundation you need to start with. Put it up if you would. God is God and I am not. Anybody heard of a 12-step program? Do you know why they work? They start with this. God is, I can't, he can. That, that's what they, they start with humility. And the reason that anybody gets transformed in a 12-step program is because it starts with humility. And that is, the fa- that is a biblical law set by God that he gives grace to humble. You're like, well, I'm not even a Christian. It don't matter. You get humble, God will start to bless you. Whether you give God glory for that humility and that blessing, that's between you and him. But he's going to bless whoever gets humble. But people forget, God is God and I am not. Let's say that together. God is God and I am not. Right? The second thing as we're studying God, you have to know and get settled in your heart, God is good. Let's say that together. God is good. Last thing we have to be settled in our heart, that God is who he says he is. Let's say that together. God is who he says he is. Mm. I got a saying in my life now. When someone shows you who they really are, believe them the first time. Believe them the first time. Hallelujah. It'll set you free from some stuff. Listen, God says who he says he is and you can trust him. Right? You open this word. Don't, don't be like, I wonder if there is a God. Listen, when you, when you, when you become a Christian, you, you like... How is God God is not a question we're going to get answered. No, I, I, I could break out a theological statement based on theologians of the last 1,500 years. I could give you a very um, doctrinal statement on that with Scripture and quote how we've come to uh, this with the, uh, with, with the uh, Enlightenment period and uh, pre-modernity and uh, modernity and quote Barth. And, no, listen, the, the, here, here's, here's, I would, I've studied this. I didn't make this up. You've got to start. You've got to start with the understanding that you will never understand how God is God. What you can understand is what God does. You can understand who God is. But if you go to, well, how is God God? No, well, no, it is. How do I, what do I tell Pharaoh you are? Tell him I am. You tell him I am. Because that's where the revelation of God begins. The revelation of God didn't start with how the earth, how the world started, how the universe, or who did the Big Bang, or how did he get on it. No, no, no. It starts with he is God, and you are not. This is where we start. If we get this relationship right, then things start to line up. Our circumstances don't change who God is. 
This is what we see time and again through our scriptures and our great fathers in the faith have demonstrated for us that you can trust God even when your circumstances don't look right. Even if you are um, kidnapped in Haiti, God is still God. You could say with confidence, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It doesn't matter where you are. That word does not change. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Devil wants to let you know. Maybe there's some other house. No, devil, you're a liar. The only other house you have is in hell, and I'm not going there. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Watch these people who want to tickle your ear with some little gossip or, well, what if? Well, what if? Man, that's Satan in the garden. We read that early in the book. We read that early in the book. But is God really? That was the beginning of Jesus' life. I already read that in the book, Lion Devil. Quit trying to plant deception in my heart. Quit trying to make me question things. Quit trying to get me to deconstruct your failures. No, thank you. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because God is good. Oh, I'm on one today. I'm on one today. Watch out now. Listen, that is the goal for your life, to live a life that I can say my dwelling is the house of God. That's what we want. You got to be in the word. You got to rebuke the devil. You got to cut off some liars in your life. You got to recognize. I was talking with Duke about this recently. He's like, oh, we're talking about some people he knew back in the day and they were close. And then now, you know, they did all kind of crazy stuff, you know, back in the day. And he's like, now I'm with them and I understand I'm with them. I'm ministering. I am ministering because the word says I got to treat them like people who don't believe the Bible is true. I, now I am reaching out to them. Guard, he's guarded his heart. He has decided. Um, God's word is going to reign in my heart. See, here, here, here's, here's, here's what I want you to know today. And this is what I want you to get settled in your heart. This is what I want hope to birth in you. When you are a disciple, you have special access. When you are a disciple of Jesus, you have special, special access. You hear things other people don't hear. When you are a disciple, hear me, when you are discipled by Jesus, when you've decided that Jesus is the one teaching you, you have access other people don't have. Oh, pastor, that's, I don't know about that. Okay. Uh, remember in Luke chapter 8, there was this parable of the sower and the seed, and there was all different kinds of ground, and Nobody knew what the heck Jesus was talking about. Nobody knew what he was talking about. And Jesus was fine with that. He's like, y'all don't get me. Went in the back room with his disciples. And the disciples are like, what are you talking about? He goes, here, let me break this down for you. He says, he says, he says to them, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to them, it sounds like parables. Seeing they may not see, hearing may not understand. Not disciples. Like, you don't get it. Now, now when I was eight, <clears throat> when I was eight years old, I was not a Christian. I didn't grow up in church, hadn't been taught about church, didn't know about, like I knew about God, but I, you know, just an eight-year-old. And Jesus visited me sovereignly. Two nights in a row, he visited me, gave me insights into things that I would do in the future. And, and I, I knew from that day forward that there was a call of God on my life. I, I, I can't explain it to you tangibly enough, but it's as real as we are right here. But you know what? I didn't know God because I wasn't a disciple. I knew who he was. I believe that there was a savior. I believe that he did die on a cross for my sins, but I did not understand his ways. I did not live according to him. It did not transform my life because I was not a disciple. And since I was not a disciple of Christ, I did not have insight into who he was in my life. Later on, I gave my life to Jesus. 
Later on, I surrendered and said, not my will, but your will be done. And then all of a sudden, it was like a lifetime of presence began to bubble up on the inside of me. It's like all the things I've been meaning to tell you the last 20 years, now I'm going to begin to download into your life because now you have access to me because you become a disciple. Does that make sense? Some of you knew about God a long time, and then you finally gave your life, and then everything started to make sense. Because you were a disciple. Others of you used to hear him a lot and now you don't. Because you're not a disciple right now. We've turned to other things. I want to turn your heart back to discipleship from Jesus to Jesus Christ. It's the reward of being a disciple. To you has been granted to know the mysteries. We, we see it again here in chapter 9. And Jesus separates those who think they know Jesus from those who are disciples. He makes a very clear distinction. He asks his disciples, who do other people say that I am? Jesus wants us to know the society that we live in. He wants us to know the society that we live in. And then he wants to know that we're not like them. That we don't think like them. We don't view him like them. We've got a lot of people trying to figure out Jesus based on what people who don't know him think about him. That's about as stupid as it gets. You don't know him. I, I, uh, I'll leave it at that. No, I'll get into it. I don't care. <clears throat> Many of you know uh, I'm punishing myself with grad school at 50 years old. And um, <clears throat> I'm almost done with my second master's. I'll have my master's in divinity soon. And uh, I'm, I'm in grad school. There's... there's, there's um, Funny place, those who've been, I know Brent, you've been, uh, those who've been uh, uh, in, in, in seminary, it's, uh, it's, a fun, it's, a fun, it's a fun time, because uh, there's a lot of people who think they know stuff, and then you meet people who are smarter than you've ever been in your entire life or will ever be, who know stuff way better than you. And uh, there's a guy who was debating me about this aspect of Christ and his divinity, and he's like, well, what about this, that, 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 and I just said, have you met him? I understand all these arguments you just gave, but have you met Jesus? Because if you have not met, like if you meet Jesus, these these little things that you think are clever, all of a sudden you'll realize are really stupid, right? You'll realize that that what you're saying right now don't make no kind of sense. When you meet Jesus, I don't need an argument that Jesus is God because I've actually met him. I've encountered his glory. I've heard his voice. I've received his touch. There's no question in my mind about the divinity of Jesus and that he is one with the Father. Have you met the Father? Have you been through Jesus Christ to meet the Father? Have you been filled with his spirit? Have you lived amongst the Trinity? Have you been in the interworking of Jesus, the Father and the Spirit all together in this divine dance? that they do together as three in one? Have they allowed you in the midst of that dance? Have you encountered it? Because if you have not, you cannot understand the divinity. You cannot understand the Trinity. You cannot understand the love of God. And you cannot understand how God actually wants to see this world transformed into his image. Can you say amen? This is what people need in this world. They need an encounter with Jesus Christ by his spirit. So we can usher him before the Father and welcome him into the dance of the Trinity. So the word of God can come alive and people can actually glorify Jesus with their lives. This is what needs to happen. Jesus says it to them. Okay, what, what, what do people say I am? Who do they say I am? They're like, well, they think you're good. and They think you're a prophet. They think that, you know, maybe you're John the Baptist who had his head cut off and put back on somehow. Like this is, this is who, and Jesus Let's them know, look, there's a us and there's a them. Not in the cultic sense, you know, where we're, you know, but, but once you've been called out, if you're among the called out ones, you got to be called out from something. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There is a righteousness to put on and a sin to take off. There is a righteous body that we are to live in and a sinful body that we are to let die. Amen. See, there is an active sense in our daily lives of choosing to follow Jesus. And Jesus is like, who do they say I am and who do you say that I am? And here's what I want you to see. I, want, I, want, I don't want this to get lost 
on you. Jesus said, who do they say I am? And he told them, he said, who do you say that I am? And they said, verse 22 of Luke chapter 9, this is the, this is, this, 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 this is, oh, excuse me, chapter, excuse me, Luke 9 chapter 20. And he said to them, who do you say that I am? And they answered and said, the Christ of God, Christ meaning the anointed one, which they understood meant to be the Messiah, the one who has had the spirit, Christ, the Christ, not a Christ or not Christian, the Christ, the anointed one of God, the one, one, the Christ of God. You are the Messiah come to lead. You are the promised one. You're the one we've been looking out for since the garden. You are the one who's been prophesied by Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Amos and all the prophets of old. You are the one that David talked about. You are the one. Now, when they recognized that they are disciples, when they declared that I'm, we're not like them, we are disciples, Jesus Christ gave them the greatest prophetic revelation that has ever happened in the history of mankind. Watch this. I stand on this. The greatest prophetic revelation that has ever happened in the history of mankind. Luke 9, 22. Jesus then peeled back the veil and showed them the salvation of God. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. He just, he just lays that out there. Oh, your disciples? Let me show you the, 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 the mystery. Let me show you what all of creation is pointing toward. Let me tell you the greatest event in the history of mankind. For you, it is to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Listen, God has mysteries he wants to reveal to you. But you got to decide, am I going to be a disciple of Christ or not? Am I going to be a disciple? Because there are things that we need to know that we do not know because we have not been discipled by God. Only the disciples know that. Only the disciples knew. They were the only ones on the inside knowing about this crucifixion and resurrection. Those who live by the Spirit, the Word says. They don't know where they're coming from or where they're going because the Spirit takes them. People get so excited about themselves in this world, their position, their money, their power. We need to ask, are we disciples of Jesus? I want you to think, when's the last time Jesus gave you some, gave your life a major course correction? How do you react to discipline? Do we pout and run off and complain to our friends? Or do we believe that there is a mountaintop coming that God is preparing us for? This is the question. To you have been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. And Jesus teaches us, he tells his disciples how to stay in this place of discipleship. How, how, how to stay disciples with three words. Go ahead and put these three words. They're three Greek, three Greek words that I'm going to butcher here right now, right? Erneomai. Say that. Erneomai. And ayaro. Akolotheo, Ereomai, Aero, Akolotheo. These are these three words. This is, this is how we stay in the presence. Jesus gives them the key. Next slide, please. Deny yourself, take up, follow. Deny yourself, take up, follow. This, this, this is what it looks like. You can't skip any of those steps. And be a disciple of Jesus. Deny yourself, take up, follow. Luke 9, 23, of course, you know what I'm talking about. And he, as, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, that's to be a disciple. He must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke's the only one who has the daily in there because he wants to put it out. Listen, this isn't a one-time deal. Every day we got to wake up and decide. I am going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross and follow. These three things are like, they're the essence of what it means to come after Christ. This is the essence. In 1998, the church of China, in the midst of horrible persecution that was happening, used this scripture out of Luke as their year scripture. It's the underground church. Revival swelling, but also the persecution from the communist leaders. Also, 
swelling. And for their scripture, we're not words of comfort, but if you want to be a disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. And they knew what the theologian Basil knew, that readiness to die for Christ, the, the, the mortification, the putting aside my flesh, uh, the willingness to give up my own will, give up what I think I deserve, what I think I need on behalf of Christ's name, this detachment from this life, believing that God is actually in control and worthy of being followed. These righteous acts that we're to do when it's easier to do the wrong thing. It's being honest with friends who are caught in sin. It's telling people that you won't enter into their sin just because the world is doing it. This, this is what I would bring it down to right here. Jesus is not a lesson to be learned, but a life to be fulfilled. Put that up for me if you would, Anastasia. Jesus is not a lesson to be learned, but a life to be fulfilled, to be lived, excuse me. Jesus is not a lesson to be learned, but a life to be lived. We need to recapture the name of Jesus in the Word, in the word of God in our society. We, 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 we need, we need, we need in, in our public arena, we need to stop telling people what they need to do, and we need to start telling people what we won't do because we're Christians. We, we need to be a little more public in our faith and, and a little more private in our politics. Faith in the Son of God. He is our Messiah. Let's not get that confused in the public arena. God is directing our lives. He's directing your life. And he's, he's, He has you carrying a cross. He has you here for a reason. You might be in a situation that you don't want to be in, like those, like those missionaries who are now, they just wanted to go to Mexico and help some people. They were building an orphanage. And this is what this group does. This group builds orphanages. They take care of the poor. Like they really believe that they're called to do the works of God. And so they were there doing it and they got kidnapped. And you would think, why God? Yeah, we don't know because we're not God. But God's got them there interceding for some kidnappers. Now, I don't know how that's going to end. You don't know how that's going to end. But I believe how they look at it is how we're supposed to be looking at our life. God's got me here for a reason. He's got me in this struggle for a reason. God is directing my life and where He has me carrying a cross. I'm here for a reason. This is what He says, verse 23. He says, Luke 9, 23, but He was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. My life is no longer about me. My life isn't about me. It's about Jesus. It's about being led by the Spirit of God and trusting that wherever I am, he has provided for me what I need to be there. Are you getting this? He talked about this in John chapter 3. Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Have you ever just woken up one day and say, I don't know how I got here. How did I get myself in this mess? How did I get myself in this blessing? I found myself in both places and God is still God. Can you say amen? Did you hear about this, um, on, a, on a kind of another sad note, did you hear about this concert, the, the Astroworld Music Festival this weekend? Did you hear about that? If, if you're not familiar with it, there was this music festival. I don't, I don't know how many people were at it, 50,000, 100,000, a lot of thousand, right? A lot, a lot, a lot of people. And at one point of the concert, the, uh, the people are fools, and, uh, and they just began rushing forward. And, and, and when you got 1,000 people, that's bad. But when you have 50,000 people, that's tragic. If there were 100,000, that's murderous. And, uh, and in fact, unfortunately, um, they say at least eight people died. And many, many, many more were taken to the hospital. And people were literally, it was crushed so tight that they couldn't breathe for so long that they passed out and then died. Is, is, that, is that crazy? 
And, and, and I, was on, uh, I, was, I was looking at this. I was just praying. I was, just, I, was, I was so weighed down by this. I was so heavy. And I saw this um, woman who was at the, um, at the concert, and uh, she kind of told her story. Uh, put up that first graphic. I, I kind of stole her, her Insta here. Uh, and, and, and she said she left the festival. She said in... Um, it was crazy. She said, I've been to every Astro Festival there is. This was completely different. It was awful. She said she was there in the crowd, and she says, I passed out. Uh, I, 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 I passed out because people were pushing up against me so much that I couldn't breathe. Then her friend Sam, who was next to her, got her unconscious body and was able with people to pick her up, and they crowd surfed her to the side where security could get her unconscious body and they put her behind general admission and they put her on a stool and they put a, a water bottle in her lap. No recollection of that because she was unconscious, right? She wakes up, doesn't know what's going on. She says, I have a water bottle in my lap and had no clue what had happened. When I stood up, I looked around and people were getting carried out with their eyes rolled in the back of their heads. And, and, they, and by security, and they were bleeding from their nose and their mouth. And she says, and I yelled out, has anybody checked for a pulse? The security guard, frantic, asked me to please help him. I checked two people, and one did not have a pulse. I told them, I am a CPU nurse, ICU nurse. I work in the ICU as a nurse. And then another security guard said, please come help us. He takes me to the part of the crowd behind General Mission. I see bodies sprawled out. And people who I assume were medics and staff were doing CPR. I immediately see that there's not enough medics. And I relieved one medic and started doing CPR. I asked where the ambu bag was and where the AED and I don't even know what these things are. Where the stretcher and ambulance is. Where any of this blank is. And they essentially said there is none. There's one bag and one stretcher and one heart thingy. For three people and now four people and people who are pulseless and blue. People from the crowd were trying to help. Teenagers are doing CPR, trying to help, but they're doing it wrong and they don't know to check. And, and she says, and, and, and she lost her friend, didn't know where he was. And she was doing chest compressions and bagging people and checking for pulses on new bodies. And they got crowd surfed in. People were trampled and crushed. There was no cell surface. People were begging the crew to stop. She says later on the next page, she says, I'm a trained medic. I was doing CPR on a girl as Drake came on with Travis. Medical staff came and they didn't know what they were doing. They weren't ready for this. They were like deer in the headlights. They had no blanking clue what they were doing. One of them straight up left. The other medic was screaming if anyone else knew CPR. And so here's this girl. Almost crushed to death for going to a concert, but she wasn't, and she winds up in this medical area, an ICU nurse. You look on our Instagram feed, the very first sentence on her profile is, all glory to God. I don't know that she's a Christian, but she's a believer in God, and somehow she had to Become unconscious. Do I believe God made her unconscious? No. I do believe God had her right where she needed to be. It took a cross to get her there, though. It took her being unconscious and carried on the sea of people, some, no, no doubt, defiling her body as they moved her, as people do in concerts. But we, have, we know eight people died. We don't know how many people lived because of her. We, come on, amen. We, we, we don't know. Maybe, and here's what I say about this, maybe, maybe right now where you are in life, you're there for a reason. Maybe, maybe the suffering that you're going through is to produce something in your life. Maybe, maybe God has you in the midst of this struggle to learn something so that you can help someone. God is preparing you right now for the call on your life. This is the preparation of the transfiguration. This is the preparation. Friend, you cannot believe in a crossless Christianity. You cannot believe in a Christianity that does not cost anything. You can't. 
We are suffering. And Christ is there with you in the suffering, preparing you for something. Brandon, can you start playing that music real low in the back? How, how, how do you get there? How do you get, how do you get to your mountaintop? I, I hope I've affected you today. I, 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 hope, I, hope I've, I, I hope that you said, I need to get to the mountaintop because this world needs some people who've seen Jesus. This world needs some people who understand his word, been filled with his spirit. I wish some of you miracle workers had been there that night. But I'm thankful for a nurse. An ICU nurse. Shaba. Real quickly, let me end you with these three points. If you've got a pen, I'd like to write them down. How do you get there? How do you get to your, 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 your moment of transfiguration? How do you get to the mountain of transfiguration? Number one, spend time with Jesus. I know you're busy. I'm busy. We're busy. Life is busy. It ain't too busy to spend time with Jesus. We need to spend time with Jesus. A lot of our business is busyness because we haven't gotten an actual plan from Jesus. So we're overworking ourselves with our own plan. I'm going to say this too, and I've been really debating whether or not to say this. I think some of us are anxious about how our life is going to turn out because we're living how we think the world, how it should work out. And it's frustrated because it's not God's plan. We figured out how to make God's plan come to pass, and God is like, you can live in that land of frustration as long as you want. I need you to surrender. Listen, spend time with Jesus. Turn that down, just one touch. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. God is God and I am not. He's leading my life. Next time you go to pick up your phone, you know, you got five minutes to scroll. Just, just, just listen. I'm not telling you you got to do a Bible study. But do, I mean, do a Bible study. But if you got 30 seconds to scroll, like literally, like this is practical. Just put down the phone and say, I'm just going to spend the next 30 seconds remembering an amazing time I have with God. Think about 30 seconds of maybe when your child was born and you saw them for the first time and just meditate, marinate in that memory. Maybe you were on a great date once or maybe you saw God do something amazing or maybe you landed a job that you never thought you would get. Even if you lost it now, you were happy then, right? You know, like you just sit in that moment and give glory to Jesus for that. Just marinate on the testimony. If you would do that a couple times a day, you'll begin to turn things in your life from the struggle toward the mountaintop. Begin to just stop and on purpose meditate on who God is and what He's done in your life. Number two, read your Bible until God talks. I like Bible reading plans. They're great. You should read it every day. And I understand you don't have hours every day, but I don't know, maybe three, four times a week, just say, I'm just going to keep reading until God talks. Keep reading until God talks. We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to encounter the Holy Ghost. Finally, we're going to encounter the mountain of God. I want us to, in this next last couple minutes, ask God what cross you have not carried. What cross you have not carried? What, what did you get out of that God wanted you to go through? Because it's still there. It's still between you and the mountaintop. It's, 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 it hasn't gone anywhere. It's not like God decided, oh, well, I guess you can just not take that test. It doesn't work that way. I'm in grad school. There's things, assignments got to be done every single week. And it's not like you can just opt out of some of them. It doesn't work that way. You go to college, they're like, these are the courses you need to get your degree. And you're like, oh, I'm just not going to take those. Okay, then you don't get the degree. That's not a problem. You want to get married, you give a vow. I don't know, I want to vow anything. You don't have to, you just won't get married. It's somehow with God, we think that we get to dictate the terms of the relationship. We do, we just won't have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with God that we've created in our mind, and that's not the one that created the world. Right? And so we got to get real with God, and what... What cross have I not carried? 
What app on your phone have you not deleted that you know needs to be deleted? What, what, what words have, that are in your mouth that you know need to get out of your mouth? What relationships do you know you need to break that you haven't broken? What acts of righteousness with your finances are you not doing that you know God has told you to be faithful in? What is your cross that God has called you to carry that you're not carrying? I am not your judge. I am not the Spirit of God. But we are just way too comfortable with sin. We are just way too comfortable breaking laws. We're way too comfortable violating God's precepts. We're just way too comfortable. And God is like, there is a cross for you to carry. And you're like, it's not fair. And you're like, according to who? I'm the judge. God decides what's fair. There is a transfiguration moment coming for you. But you've got to make it a priority. I'm going to say that again. There is a transfiguration moment. There is a transfiguration moment coming for you. Come on, Brandon. But you have to make it a priority. You have to decide that I am going to set aside time for Jesus. I'm going to listen to his voice and I'm going to obey because that is the way to the mountaintop. That is the way to the mountaintop. And here's what I would like to do. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. I, whoa, I, whoa, whoa there's, the Holy, whoa, there's the Holy Ghost right there. There's the Holy Ghost right there. I, I just believed right now that the Holy Spirit is going to come in and He's going to free your heart up if you will choose to let Him deal with your heart. If you will say, search my heart, God. Search my heart for what is not pleasing to you. And I declare that you are my God and I am your people. You are God and I am not. Turn it up a little, Brandon. Yes, we're going we're gonna to worship to this song for a moment. We're going to declare that He is God. Turn it up for me. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost of God, Holy Ghost of God, Holy Ghost of God. Whoa, here we go. Holy Ghost of God. So we lift you high. Come on, lift them high right now. I don't know what you need to do to react to God. Father, in the name of Jesus. 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 I declare freedom. And we lift you I declare deliverance upon your people right now. I declare that idols will be broken right now in the name of Jesus. My Idols broken. And you alone deserve my praise. Listen, I don't care how prideful people have judged you. You need you to forgive them. Alone the Other people may not know how you have been sinned against. You don't have to defend yourself. You stand in righteousness and forgiveness. You release them and you move forward to the mountaintop. That is the way of Christ. You release them in their judgment, in their lies, and you move forward to the mountaintop with God. You don't understand what they said about me, Pastor. They murdered my Savior and He forgave. That's my standard. Come on, lift them high right now. There is a grace right now. Come on, Brandon. There is a grace right now. There is a grace in here right now. Come on. Coming out of the wilderness. Come on. Come on. Come on. Out of a horrible place. By your great name. Come on, worship him. Let him know. Make a choice today. Great and mighty deliverer. 
the Spirit is ministering. The Spirit is ministering to your heart right now. And He will remove bitterness if you will give it to Him. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that we follow. We as a church, we will follow after you. We will follow after you, Jesus. We'll be your people. You can be our God. Show us your glory. You're in the inhale, Yahweh. Show us your glory. You're in the exhale, Yahweh. Show us your glory. Hey, you're Show in us the your glory. Inhale, Catch us up right now, Lord. You're in the exhale, Yahweh. Every time we breathe, we say your name. Every time we breathe, we mention your name. Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. Yahweh. I declare freedom in this room right now in the name of Jesus. Freedom. Freedom to worship Jesus. Freedom to come into your call. Freedom to be bold. Freedom to demand love. Freedom to release love. Freedom to forgive. Freedom to move forward. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom to dream. Freedom to prophesy. Freedom to flourish. Freedom to be prosperous. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Stand with me if you would. Let's finish.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray today that we will let this world know who you are. We will encounter you and we will go into the world and compel them to be disciples. Because you are worthy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, now listen, before you go anywhere, before you clap, hold on real quick. I want to open the altar up. If you need to come and just spend some time with Jesus, we'll play this song again. Tracy and I would love to talk with you in the lobby. If you need to talk, that's fine. But the Holy Ghost is doing something in some people. Play that one more time, Anastasia. The Holy Ghost is doing something with some people. And we're going to let it just marinate in here. You can turn it down a little bit, Brandon. Give a clap offering to the Lord for what he's done today, if you would, please.